This is Ireland's 100 to 102 Today FM. The day after the first debate and after a big row, it's all gone quiet again. Evening all, Gavin Riley here in the Today FM studios in Dublin with your latest batch of news, analysis and gossip from the election trail. It's day 10 of the campaign and this is Today FM's Election Daily. And after last night's big TV3 news talk debate, it's all gone a little bit quiet. Uh, We'll get to the debate in a moment. Just before we do that, we do have to tell you about some other events that have taken a bit of a toll on the election campaign. Now, many of you will have heard, but for those of you who haven't or who might be abroad, Independent News and Media, the newspaper group which is majority owned by Dennis O'Brien, who in turn, by the way, is also the owner of Today FM, it is confirmed that some of its journalists have received credible threats to their lives and their security from criminal gangs. Now, the company says it's fully supporting the staff and it won't be intimidated in its reporting of organised crime. Those staff are still working, albeit remotely, and they have the full support of the National Union of Journalists as well. Now, the threats have been condemned by the leaders of most major parties, including Lucinda Creighton of Renewa, who went on 6-1 and called for the campaign last night to be suspended altogether. The Cabinet needs to meet and they need to design a comprehensive response to this national emergency. Uh, in 2005, when there was a similar crisis, uh, 15 thousand additional Garda hours were agreed by the government at that time. We need that type of response and we need to see leadership from the government. She went on, by the way, to talk about Renewa's tax policy and this morning she's promising to abolish the TV licence so clearly life does go on. Uh, But that renewed threat and the reminder of the problems of organised crime have been casting something more of a shadow over the election campaign and indeed over last night's TV debate, especially when it came to the discussion on crime. But first in the debate last night there was chat about the economy and if you missed the debate... There was an awful lot of this. Yeah, but it was quite the raucous affair. Uh, TV3 and News Talk decided that all four leaders would have their mics turned on for the duration of the night, which also means you don't have to worry, by the way, about making sure they all get precisely equal airtime because they all have the opportunity to speak. But the problem is that leaving four microphones on generally means that everybody gets their opportunity to have a rant. The opening statements were potted versions of each party's political broadcast, and the outgoing coalition parties at least seemed to be somewhat coordinated in making sure that they were both attacking the same opposition leader whenever necessary. So whenever it was crime, they both turned directly on Gerry Adams and on his stance on the Special Criminal Court. And when it was on health, they were both turning to Micheál Martin, who used to be the minister there. But for other issues like coalition possibilities and housing, that it all descended really into a bit of a four-way squabble. I was on with Anton Savage this morning and he wasn't at all impressed with how it had turned out. Surely it is possible to say, shh, be quiet. We'll We'll hear from you, then we'll hear from you. Surely it's possible to say, can you stop talking in broad economic generalities and get to some specifics about how this impacts in people's lives? Is that not a thing you can say to It's a format thing because you can can break it down into six parts as it was last night and you can say, right, I want each of you to speak for 30 seconds first on the economy or housing or abortion or crime and then have it as an open forum. The the format that they deliberately chose where it would be four open mics which I think by the way again works better when it's being simulcast on radio um, means then it just lends itself more to having a, just a bit of a row and that people will squabble over each other and that's but isn't where that controllable? Can I, like, couldn't Pat or Colette both of them seasoned professionals go stop it 
Just stop it for a minute. We'll hear from that person, they, then we'll hear from you. Well, they did, and it wasn't happening. I think that a lot of the tone, actually, and it was not necessarily the, the fault of the moderators, but a lot of the tone was set very early on because bearing in mind that this is the first time Joan Burton has ever done a leaders debate. She's the only one who was going into her first campaign as a leader. So she's never been in an environment like this before. And she came in first. She was there at half seven, long before she really needed to be. And she was full of beans when she was speaking to journalists before she went in. She, in fact, said she was so excited. She's like, it's like the political version of the Oscars, except <laughs> a bit less fun and a bit more serious. But she was clearly so excited that I think it translated then into a bit of early sniping, which kind of set the tone for the whole night. The people thought that squabbling was just the way this was going to work and I think it made it then a little bit less constructive the one thing about having two moderators I think by the way is that when you're eight minutes in of to 90 minutes and it's already a full blazing row if one person is moderating that section at least it allows the other moderator to come in and say Everyone shut up, I'm moving on, which is a very difficult thing for you to do if you are presiding over the chaos and then you have to try and move the chaos forward. But in all likelihood, the debate probably won't have done anyone much harm because viewers might have objected to what different politicians were saying, whether it was about what Enda Kenny said or didn't say on abortion, Joan Burton on housing, Micheál Martin on health, Jerry Adams on crime... But there were no major gaffes. And to be honest, two weeks out, it's probably more important for leaders simply to lock down their existing support before they go looking to chase any other undecideds that are still there. Now, the whole debate is still available online if you want to go and see it. TV3.ie forward slash player if you want to watch it back. TV3 says, by the way, around 800,000 people tuned in at various times last night. But unfortunately, if they were undecided voters watching, it's possible that the scene was maybe so frustrating to them with all the bickering that they might not watch Monday's debate on RTE, where there will be not four, but seven and possibly eight participants. The High Court is ruling earlier on Monday whether the Greens' Eamon Ryan will be allowed to join Richard Boyd Barrett of the AAA People Before Profit, renew as Lucinda Creighton and Stephen Donnelly of the Social Democrats in that debate. Unfortunately, the chances are that's the only chance that they'll have of being featured in a major debate, and many people may now simply not watch because of how the scenes went out last night. Now, incidentally, there is, by the way, one personal anecdote that you might find interesting. Now, I was in the TV3 studios last night to report on the debate, but because the audio feed was so far ahead of the TV and I was writing down time codes and I was tweeting the whole time, um, I personally ended up listening to the debate rather than watching it. And you realise a funny thing when that happens, because... When there's a couple of people bickering at once and you don't have a visual cue and you can't see them and see what they're saying, it's much harder to make out exactly what every participant is saying to each other. And that meant that on some topics where Enda Kenny allowed the other three to row for a good ten minutes before he would intervene, it made Enda Kenny sound very calm and very considered and it gave him some sense of statesmanship, a kind of a sense of gravitas. So I left last night thinking that the debate had been so marred by all this squabbling that Enda Kenny, having picked his punches so carefully, would then be considered a slight winner. Now, as it happens, I was back in TV3 again this morning. I saw some of the same rows again, this time on TV, and you were able to see those visual cues. And it actually makes it a little bit easier to pick out the content of those rows because you can see what the people are saying and it helps you to understand it better. And when you have that, then Micheál Martin came out a little bit better. And it's funny the symmetries in that because the very first ever televised leaders debate was back in 1960 in the US between JFK and Richard Nixon when they were both running for the US presidency. And that was in an era where TV still wasn't all that omnipresent. So the debate was also broadcast on radio. And everyone who heard it on radio 
thought that Nixon was better because he had a better command of policy and that simply the quality of what he was saying was better. But everyone who saw it on TV saw that Nixon was sweating, that he was panicking, that he didn't look too well, that he was badly shaven. And the sheer charisma of JFK meant that a lot of people thought he won it, even if he wasn't saying better stuff. So it's certainly interesting the way that two people might have come out of that debate thinking that they were both winners. Certainly of the two government leaders last night, um, I thought that Enda Kenny came out best, largely based on his tone. Uh, of the two opposition ones, Michal Martin did better. Um, so then of the two, of Enda Kenny or Michal Martin, I suppose your winner probably depends on what you were looking for, whether you were looking for someone with tone or whether you were looking for someone with actual content. If there was a gaffe in last night's debate, it was probably when Joan Burton was questioned about the government's record on dealing with homelessness. Now, the question included the criticism of Father Peter McVerry. Father Peter McVerry was on radio and this weekend and, and he said that, you know, while Alan Kelly, he said, and was listening to him, he said that your department stymied them on rent supplement. No, because what we do now, and I don't think Peter, Father Peter is familiar with what we do. Well, this lunchtime, Peter McVerry has had his reply. Well, it's certainly true that I'm not an insider in the Department of, of uh, Social Protection, and so they're not informing me of everything they do. But I do see the results of what they do. I see the results on the ground. And the reality is that in the last 12 months, an extra 645 individuals are using emergency homeless accommodation and in last year and next two families a day were becoming homeless almost all evicted from the private rented sector because they were unable to uh, pay the rent because the rent supplement was too low so I see the consequences of what the department is doing and what the department is not doing. Now, a lot of the debate analysis has been sidelined again today because, again, of matters surrounding the Special Criminal Court and, as we mentioned, those threats to those journalists at INM. Now, today saw the sentencing hearing for Thomas Slab Murphy, who, as we mentioned earlier in the week, has previously been named as a former chief of staff of the IRA. Now, Sinn Féin leaders have consistently referred to him as a good Republican, and it is, in fact, his previous conviction by the Special Criminal Court over charges of tax evasion that have actually brought Sinn Féin's stance on that court into the limelight. Now, he's being sentenced in two weeks, so that today's hearing wasn't enough to finalise things. He will be back in court in two weeks' time. By the way, that's polling day, Friday the 26th of February. Uh, but again, those events in court have again drawn access or drawn attention to Sinn Féin's stance on that court. And it's given the Taoiseach the chance to accuse Sinn Féin of some ulterior motives in wanting to get rid of the court. I note that the, uh, the president of Sinn Féin, uh, Deputy Adams, thinks that there are no gangland uh, situations anywhere. Uh, and uh, I repeat again uh, his, his attempt to justify calling for the uh, abolition of the Offences Against the State Act and the abolition of the Special Criminal Court. Uh, yesterday evening doesn't stand up to uh, any scrutiny. But the Sinn Féin president, Jerry Adams, was canvassing in Louth today and he was more than able to find a partisan spin in response. The Fine Gael party under uh, Michael Noonan's watch failed to make tax returns. Uh, there was a colossal amount of money involved. Michael Noonan wasn't told before the Special Criminal Court. They went and sorted it out. Uh, people in broadcasting among journalists and entertainment, uh, you know, there are there are up to 2,000 people fail to make tax uh, returns. So our issue isn't about uh, the justice of everybody having to pay their taxes and those who fall foul. 
of data who failed to do that, not having to uh, face up to whatever sanctions. Our issue is around that this, if it, had the, if it needed to come to court, should have came to a court which was made up of a jury. Jerry Adams, by the way, not the only one today lashing out at Enda Kenny. The Taoiseach was in Cork this morning and he got a fairly unfriendly welcome from around 40 people there. Now, given the fairly substantive matters being discussed today with those INM threats in the Special Criminal Court and the aftermath of last night's debate, there hasn't been a huge amount of crack on the trail. Uh, But there is one piece of brilliance that we did want to share, and it's from our old musical hero, Matty McGrath. Now, last week on the podcast, we covered his musical brilliance from 2007. Uh, He was hitting the road this week with Henry McKean from News Talk, who's doing a carpool candidate slot, and he's got a new song on the go. Forget your tour I as. This is Ooh Ah... Matty McGrath. Oh, ah, Matty McGrath. Oh, ah, Matty McGrath. You remember the great Paul McGrath? I do. Oh, ah, Matty McGrath. Oh, ah, Matty McGrath. And the people did. Oh, ah, Matty McGrath. And gave me the votes. And I hope that they and I have a respect for Oh, ah, Matty McGrath. Say, oh, ah, Matty McGrath. Oh, ah, Matty McGrath. In 2016 now also. Now finally, Helen Vaughan is back in Dirty L Dublin for the weekend, giving the talking taxi a bit of a rest, so she hasn't been out and about today, but she has been working on a little collection of some of the best sounds of the week. So we will wrap up this week of the podcast and wrap up this week of the campaign with Helen Vaughan's montage of week two of election 2016. I'm Gavin Riley. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again on Monday ahead of the RTE debate for more Today FM's Election Daily. I, I would never aspire to be Alan Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the man has some brass neck to talk like he's talked about health. Power to me is not a drug at all. I don't actually. The power now rests with the people. Their policies, their performance is disgrace. They made promises before the last Broke election. In, look, they I didn't interrupt you, and you better face yours. up to it. I'm fighting to keep the last seat. Obviously, number ones give me a better opportunity of keeping that seat, yeah. and if you can spread the love to other neighbours, that I need that number one on this occasion. I was shocked because I, I didn't expect to spend so long sitting on a chair. I thought if you went in with chest pains, you would be seen fairly quick. Hi, welcome to the taxi. <laughs> it's a lovely taxi, actually. Yeah. My kids were in full-time crash and the fees were crippling. You just you get no help, you get no relief. So the fees were more more than our mortgage. No problem. Thanks for coming in this morning. I'm Brian now. <laughs> Criminal gangland people or those dissident Republicans have no regard for either life or limb or law and order in this democracy. The IRA is gone. The arms have been put beyond use many, many years ago. That has been overseen by General John Chastelin. The Commissioner and Garda Shikona would be concerned about further retali- retaliation. As I've seen, we're seeing a cycle of revenge and retaliation from these gangs at present. This is very challenging. 
my biggest fear is whatever little bit of deposit we have built up in this country at the moment, that we put quite lightly, to use a vulgar word, piss it all away in promises coming up to an election. 100 to 102 Today FM.